Hey, 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 welcome back. It's again Life on Life with Andre, and I'm blessed and looking forward to another great session with y'all. This is one of those times where I've really been having to press in, so I'm hoping that when we get done with this, you can understand why it's taking me a little bit longer to make sure this is coming out right. But before we get into anything, again, we'll welcome you back. Um, today, we're going to talk about keys to success. I'm actually going to focus on one key. There's three that I'm, I'm, I'm going to start with, but we're only going to really talk about one. So I'm just giving you that heads up. That means you need to listen in for the next session that we do. Now, keep in mind, um, make sure y'all spread the word. You know, life on life with Andre. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your family members, tell your cousins, tell your coworkers. Let them know. You need a podcast to listen to? I got a little something to say. Just a little. Not a lot. Just a little. And I hope that you guys all see it as worthwhile. Because what you've been doing, you've been showing me that. So I'm just asking you to continue to show the love and share the love. Um, let's start with a prayer, and then we're going to talk about this. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you again that we can dive not just into your word, but into community. Dive into connecting to one another. Dive into what it looks like to reflect you, to to be you and be the temple and the places that you've called us to be the temple at, to be the church across the world, Father. So I ask that you bring together all the different thoughts that you've been sharing with me. Help me to keep a strong focus as we move forward in this conversation. And my prayer is that the person that needs to hear this gets it. The person that's encouraged by this can pass it on. And the people that are hearing this, Father, they don't see me. They don't see the rhetoric, but they hear your voice. They hear your words and they're encouraged because they too can find a plan that helps them find success. Success in you. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't say already. Matter of fact, let's just do it now. Father, I want to be praying for the Palestinian people over in Israel and Gaza area, Father, like we're... We know that this has been an ongoing upheaval, ongoing trial, ongoing trouble, and people's lives are forever impacted. People's lives have been forever lost. There is no redeeming that or getting it back on this side of heaven. So, Father, I ask that you please, oh, please speak peace into their lives. Please, oh, please give them comfort. Because even whether you're talking over in Israel or we're talking about here, I have even friends, Father, that have lost someone close unplanned father and yet they need a word from you provide the comfort provide the space like we talked about last time where they can feel all the things they need to feel share all that is there that they need to share father and then hear and feel you as you are comforting you promised us the comforter those of us that are your children and even for those that are not your children father i ask that you can minister to them in this time of need that they may choose to make you their personal Lord and Savior and been for, be forever bonded to. Um, for the situations happening locally, Father, uh, there's just so many different things that go on in the news. I'm just asking, Father, that you remind us it is not about what we see or feel that determines whether you're in control. You are the creator and sustainer, so thus you are in control. And we, we're going to trust you more than what we feel, more than what we think. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. So like I was about to say, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up what's happening in Gaza. 
Um, I don't have the answers. I don't think anybody does. I'm not going to go ooky, spooky, spiritual. I'm just going to say to you that people's lives matter. I have folks that are connected to me that are losing family members there that have lost people that they don't even know where they are because they don't know if they're dead or alive. And I had to just think about the loss of a person. You can talk to people about it in percent. Oh, they only lost 3% of the people. But 3% is not how I measure a person. If I lose somebody, I don't care if it's 1%, I've lost somebody. So I just ask that we keep them in our prayers, keep them lifted. Um, some great news. I'm going to be launching a website real soon. I've realized as I've been talking with people and encountering people that I need to have a place, a landing platform for not just this podcast, but the other things I've kind of tied into. So I'm looking forward to doing that with y'all. And so I'm going to ask that you continue to spread the word. I will make sure I make a big announcement for it. It will be attached to everything here in the next couple of weeks. And that'll be, you know, give it as a Thanksgiving gift. <laughs> Here's a website you should check out. Um, I'm hoping to do a little bit more stuff with some of the people around me and some of the partnerships. Looking forward to seeing how that works out because people want to get on here. I'm like, hey, well, let's have that conversation. So you're going to hear me in conflict or in agreement, but we'll see. Uh, but more importantly, over the last couple of weeks, even today, I've been reminded how we can go to God's altar. And because... We're not tied into the old practices of the synagogue. The altar takes on a different meaning. The altar takes on a place that you can lay before Christ, lay before God and lay down your burdens, lay down your prayers, seek and cry out to him. It's a place where you can praise him and worship him. And that place you get to pick. It could be in the car, in your car. It could be in your living room. It could be while you're riding in, listening to music or listening to this podcast. You can pull over and just say, you know what? I just want to spend some time dwelling on you, Lord, and share with you what the confessions of my heart. Because the altar where you're going to go, you don't need to wait till Sunday. You don't have to wait till a certain time. You can go to God's altar at any time. But I do recommend doing it sooner than later because it's so much easier when we take the weights off of our chest. We lay them down and to pick up his weight, which his weight is, his burden is light. That's what he tells us in scripture. And for those of us, those of you that are walking with him, you know it to be true because his, he empowers us to do anything he asks of us. You don't have to do it in your own strength. So I'm, I'm going to talk about that some more, but again, I just want to remind you, you are at the altar. Even now as you're listening to this, you can stop it and just say, you know what, Lord, I need to talk to you for myself because I got some things that I need to talk to you about. And then ask him to give you insight, give word, give you a place to turn into his word or people to speak into that so that you can get what you need from God. So, sorry, that was a little, little plug in. Plug in to talk to God, yeah. Um, so, today, we're going to talk about keys to success. Three keys to success. You know, the life. There are people looking for success in life. And I know, just like me, you are doing the same. So I want to say to you, let's do that. Let's lock in keys to success. Um, now, to hit this topic, we're going to have to do a little bit of digging in. And then we're going to shift to where we want to go. Now, I say that because the beginning of this is going to be a little heavy. I think it's going to be heavy because what we're looking for, we have to define it. 
what we're looking for, we have to be willing to adjust to obtain it. I again, I say you have to be willing to adjust to obtain it because you're not going to find success if you continue to measure and define it by other things and other people and other ways. We're looking to God, we're looking to what it is, and we're going to adjust to it. So that's the journey we're going to walk on. And my roundabout self, my crazy mind, we're going to start with Jesus. You know, that's how I am. Uh, now, don't don't get lost. Don't don't start feeling like, oh, man, he's talking about Jesus. That's the whole reason we stopped me talking with him first. Because I think that there's a, we've created a gap that I want to hopefully help each of us, because I'm still working through it where we start to really connect who Christ is when we say fully God and fully man. All right. So I'm going to make sure I follow my little notes. This talk of Christ being fully God and fully man, I'm going to start us in Hebrews, I'm going to end up in John, and I'm going to get away from it. Not in the sense of that topic, but I just want to give you some reasons for why we're thinking about it. Now, let's see if this works out the way I want. It did not. <laughs> so, in order to make this happen, we're going to stop. So, what I'd like you to do is first think about, return to either on your phone app or in your Bible, your physical Bible, Hebrews 4. We're going to look jump down to verses 14. 15 and 16, and I'm going to read those out to you right now. And it says in verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. Again, that's, a, that's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. I love it that it says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness because he's been tested in every way. Uh, before I dive into that, Go ahead and turn your Bible to John chapter 1. And many of you guys have read this text or heard this text. But I'm just, like I said, I'm just doing a quick, quick run through because I want to set this up for why we talk about Christ being fully God and fully man. Um, it says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that was created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. Okay, again, I'm going to say life was in him, and that life was the light of men. Uh, if you jump down to verse 9. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but all, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, 
not of his blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh, took up residence among us, and we observed his glory. The glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So that's verse, that finished in verse 14. So now, why would it matter about me talking about God, Jesus, being fully man and fully God? Because I think it's easy for us to lean into God, like Jesus being fully God. Me and my wife, we laugh. I said, you know, you say Jesus and you picture a person walking around with this aura around them and nothing can phase them. That's not quite how it was. Like, Jesus was just like everybody else. He looked just like everybody else. And you want proof of it? Think about when he was betrayed. They had to have Judas kiss him to show who exactly Jesus was. They didn't just say, oh, we know who we're going to go after. They said, literally, here's the signs, you know, who to go after, which means he looked like everybody else in that area. Just take, take a moment to think about that. He didn't float. He didn't have the long, glowing hair. He was another Palestinian person. The Hebrew, Jew, whatever title you want to put on it, he looked like everybody else. So if he looked like everybody else, well, maybe he was cheating. He didn't feel stuff. And you know, people be like, "Well, no, you know, Jesus was extra special, and he was special." Please don't knock that. I'm not knocking that he wasn't special, but I'm saying he was fully a man. And that's the part that I'm gonna talk about in in this conversation, because I think when we can grasp the idea of him being fully a man we can understand even better how much he, he is there for us. Like him going on our behalf to the Father, isn't him like, oh, you know, you know, they don't quite get it, Father. No, he's like, I understand their pain. Here's, the, here's their suffering. Here's where they're lacking an understanding because I would too lack an understanding in this area. So, uh, before I dive deeper, we'll make sure I've got my stuff set up here. Yep. So, I just want to say again, while we're looking at Jesus being fully God and fully man, it's important so we have a baseline for how we look at success. Um, and again, I'm looking at success as contentment and fulfillment as we're walking forward in life. Walking forward to the goals that we know, because there's some things we know God wants us to pursue. And as you pursue them, you can have peace of heart, peace of mind, because you know who you're doing it for, who you're doing it with, and how he wants you to get there. And sometimes you don't know how he wants you to get there, you're just moving and following his direction. But that's a whole other topic too. Um, but look at Jesus. Jesus had some keys to success. And again, I said I'm going to talk about three different things, but I'm focused on one. Um, I keep going back and forth with what they're saying, but I'm going to say it, but we're just going to go with it. Uh, because he came here with a clear mission, remember, he was born to die. I, that's a really short version. He came here to help restore the relationship between us and the Father. His Father. God. The Father. He had to do that by being a man with a perfect life. To be the perfect man. But he couldn't be God because then he's not a perfect man. Because he had to be a representation of us. Mankind. Um, so with that mind, he also 
with that in mind, excuse me. He, uh, he had to lean into some things. So these are his keys to success, at least a few of them. I'm not saying these are all of them. Matter of fact, this is not very exhaustive. This is very focused. One of those things, which we'll talk about today, is forgiveness. Another one of those things is prayer. And the last one that I'm going to talk about is meditation. Notice I said prayer and meditation because they're not quite the same thing. Um, but forgiveness being our, our, our jump off point. Now, why would I use that as our jump off point? Great question. Well, before I get there, let's just talk about it. Man, when we talk about forgiveness, what comes to your mind? I know when I think about forgiveness, I think about some people that I'm like, man, ooh, I don't know. Mm. Do I have to? Why do I have to forgive them? Well, give me some time. Let me get a moment or two before I choose to forgive them. Well, okay. I'll never forgive that person. You know, these are the different thoughts that come with the idea of forgiveness. And for those to be the different thoughts, I wonder how those looked in Jesus' life. Because, again, he was supposed to be tested in every way, just like we were. So, did he experience the things like how we kind of experience it? I'm telling you ahead of time that the answer to this rhetorical question is yes. But just in case you didn't know, let's take a look at those scenarios. Um, and remember, this is countercultural because the culture, especially since COVID, we seem to have lacked the ability to build, sustain, grow relationships. Like physical, actual, person-to-person relationships are that much harder because we don't know how to talk to one another. I mean, I used to joke about pre-COVID. Like, pre-COVID, I would be like, hey, when I go down south, everybody shows love. I say, what's up? They say, what's up? That's how my visits went. But I was like, here in the Northwest, I don't quite get the same love. Like, I can walk the street and say, hey, and people just turn their head, you know, hi. They kind of look at you and you stop saying hello because you realize people just don't engage in that way. That's not, it's different. But then COVID hit. Now it's even worse. Whether the person's wearing a mask or not, they have an invisible wall because nobody wants to be in nobody else's bubble that they don't know. You don't know what they've been doing. Then in the same breath, saying hello is almost like you're like putting danger signs out there because people are just like, oh, what do I say back? I had to laugh. This is a short, 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 short story. I had to laugh at one of my kids. He sat there and said, what do I Dad, I like this girl. She, I think she likes me. What should I say? I said, how about say hello? How about say, what do you like to do? How about say, what have you been up to? Like, just have a conversation. This is something that's hard. Like, building a relationship, building a connection is difficult. And because of the other things that created angst and anxiety, it's hard to introduce ourselves and connect with people we don't know. I mean, look at our students. And some of you guys have children at home, especially since COVID hit and during COVID, it amplified the way technology is used, but it didn't come with instruction booklets on how to do things in real time. So online, you guys know about it. Somebody gets on your nerves, they send you the wrong message, you can block them. But most of us in my age group, and maybe the age group below me, the generation below me, I would say, 
you block somebody that you actually had interactions with. So you might have blocked them for a day or so, and you'd be like, all right, here's why I blocked you. And you talk about it. These kids don't know each other. So since they already don't know each other, and you just got on my nerves, I blocked you. I'll never unblock you because I'll never actually meet you. I'll never actually have a conversation with you. But my kids changed school, so he went from middle school to high school. So anybody in middle school he hadn't already met, they might have blocked. <laughs> now he's in high school, he's not going to get to know that person, not through the social window that people are saying is the normal way to do stuff. So again, and I'm not calling that normal. I'm just saying it's another way, but we need to normify being face-to-face, -face, normify having a conversation, normify what it means to be able to have your feelings hurt and heal. So, Jesus, being who he is, you know, he was a baby. He was in his mama's womb. And while he was in his mother's womb, I hope he realized, hold on, before I say that, yeah. while he was in his mother's womb, Joseph wanted to put his mom away. Remember, he was trying to put her away quietly because she pregnant, but she ain't pregnant by me. And I don't know how that happened. So he was trying to quietly put her away. So he wasn't trying to shame her, but he also wasn't trying to deal with her. Now, this first thing I'm talking about is a little, di little deep, but I believe a lot of you guys listen to science, and since you listen to science, then how can you deny this? But anyways, the truth is that we know that science tells us that the babies feel life and they feel what's happening outside the womb. They are impacted by what's happening outside of the womb. And so think about Mary and the anxiety that it's creating and the thoughts of Jesus knowing his father is rejecting his mom. Just think about it. Now, if we say babies feel this stuff and Jesus knows he's different, we know that he knows he's different, how do you handle that rejection? Jesus forgave him. Now, I'm, obviously, I'm not getting deep into this. There's no scripture to back what I just said. Zero scripture. But the reason I said it is because sometimes the things that are not written in Scripture aren't there because they're not vital to our walk with Christ. I'm just introducing the thought because what if he, you know, we, got, we give people excuses today for all sorts of stuff because we say what they can feel and what they've experienced and we bring it up into the baby side. So that means that we have to acknowledge that Jesus must have felt the same things. He was born in a farm, in a major, in a place for animals, dirty, disgusting. His dad didn't want him because he didn't know who his daddy was until he got told who his dad was. And that still was hard to process. Can you imagine? Be, be Joseph for a moment. God just sent a messenger to let you know, hey, your wife got my kid. And Greek gods and other, you know, y'all seen all the little stories. They take and abuse that line of thought. So we can't even have a pure thought. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, immaculate conception within Mary. But I'm talking about forgiveness today, so I'm sorry. I got to get back on track. This is a first level of experience of rejection. And I promise you that 
even though we don't have something that goes deep into it, I'm not trying to go deep into it. I'm just saying Jesus had to forgive him. We don't even know about 30 years of Jesus' life. We know he was born, he was a kid, he was running around. You're his father and you're raising this kid. The stories we can make up for drama TV. I'm not going to because, you know, Jesus didn't sin. You know, can I raise a kid that doesn't sin? Woo, that would be beautiful. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I know I sinned. <laughs> um, then think about this. So we got him before he's born, already feeling the rejection. Now he's here. And he gets a group of friends, the disciples, these people, he, these people he calls out from special situations. They're his people. They, they, they drop what they was doing and follow Jesus. He's got to walk through having Peter say to him, hey, I know you just told me that you're going to die, but I ain't letting that happen, bro. I'm standing here. I'm going to take care of it because ain't nothing happening to you. It is going to happen. This is what the word said. Well, look, no, no. If everybody else falls away, I ain't going to fall away. Peter, even you will also fall away. And so literally at one point, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Boom. Drop some mic. Peter had gone to a place of rejecting what Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior, Jesus, the miracle worker, had told him and his peers directly. Like we do in life, he positions himself above God, telling God, that's not what's going to happen. Have you ever had a friend do you wrong, not have your back? Not be there to ride for you when you needed them to. No, Jesus had that. He had to forgive them. No, I shouldn't even say had to. He chose to forgive them. But even in this peer group, it gets even worse. Because again, people think about Jesus being superhuman and or God and not regular human. And here we are at the Last Supper and Jesus is giving a, like another shout out to, man, not only am I going to die, one of y'all going to betray me. And he says, knowing who it is, woe to the one that has to be the person that's betraying me. Now, why would he give a woe to somebody who he doesn't care about? Like if he didn't care, if it didn't matter, it'd be like, hey, you done what you're supposed to do. But no, 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 no. He's hurt and he understands the scripture still must be fulfilled. The conflict. I'm telling you right now, I, that would be the hardest thing to do to see the person that you know is going to betray you. The person that's been riding with you since day one. And this person's going to be the one to give you a kiss to identify who you are. And Jesus doesn't hate him. Jesus forgives him. Now, I know you don't like that one because that one, that, that's, that's the one we all battle with. You know, it's hard to deal with people, especially when they've hurt us in a certain way. We're like, ah, 
I'm, I'm not I'm not okay with this, but I'm gonna keep it going because even the very people, the Jewish culture, the Jewish people, his the, the people that grew up with him around, they even rejected him. Now, this is a lot of rejection that he's feeling from different areas, and each time he's having to forgive. But I want you to remember, he is sitting here saying, I'm here for y'all. I'm here to fulfill the scripture. I'm here to make things right with God. But instead, they reject him, don't want to believe so much so that he couldn't even work miracles in certain areas. Don't believe him so much so that they say, let's put him on the cross and crucify him. Don't believe him so much so. And here is Jesus. Like I said, he is our savior of saviors. He is the ultimate example of somebody who is willing to say, I understand there's a cost to me completing this march, a cost to me reaching my goal. And part of that cost is me being willing to forgive those that are not supporting me, those that are against me, those that seem to be for me or those that I'm here for, but they're hurting me in the process of me. Fulfilling my goal. Now I know this is tough because unfortunately forgiveness again is not something we do in process with. So I'm going to jump to a text, and a lot of you guys will know it. It's uh the Lord's prayers are in the same section, but I'm not looking at the Lord's Prayer focus. I'm looking at Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. I think I'm gonna jump there real quick. Now, the reason I jumped to this text is because this is after he gives an example of how to pray. And it says that after he gives an example, which is the Lord's Prayer, he says, For if you forgive people their wrongdoings, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoings. That's 14 and 15. Let's go back to 14. It says, For if you forgive people their wrongdoings, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. Have you ever been in a position where you have done harm to somebody? Have you ever been in a position where you've done somebody wrong? Has somebody ever done you wrong? Have they done harm to you? Now, he didn't say, and nowhere in that text will you find him saying them earning your forgiveness. We are to choose choose to forgive, period. Now, the choice of choosing to forgive should be instant, should come pretty quickly. Now, that doesn't mean your process is quickly, and that's a different beast in itself, but I do believe that you can release the weights if you can learn the habit of not holding things and keeping them because you don't want to forgive. We got to let stuff go. And this just also means that we have to learn how to process it. Because think about this. The ultimate, I started with the the earthly father. I'm going to finish with the heavenly father. Think about what Jesus had to forgive at the end. He's crying in the garden of Gethsemane saying, please remove this cup. But I'll do this if this is what you require of me. And it's so heavy on him. His tears They say like drops of blood. And then while he's on the cross, he cries out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? 
God never turned his back, but yet he felt, he felt that God turned his back. And the ultimate sign of him believing in God was staying up on the cross. People, we talk about it all the time, the miraculous. There, I'm sure there's a miracle that he could have done to avoid feeling the pain, to avoid going to the cross. But he cared about you and I so much. He cared about the people that we will never meet that are part of the body of Christ. He cared about the people that even are going to choose to reject him. To say, I'm going to fulfill my part of this. And I'm taking all, all of the pain. Why do I call this the key to success message? Because he did all this with the intention and understanding that he had a purpose in life. And if he didn't choose to forgive along that pathway, he could have hindered the outcome of that. Why would he choose, if he's mad at people, if he's mad at creation, if he's mad at the disciples, if he's mad at his dad, why would he get on the cross? Matter of fact, I'll put a lamb up there, a real regular old lamb, and I'm going to walk away. Y'all don't deserve my love. Oh, I want to make sure this is still... Yeah. So, for us... If Christ is willing to forgive so he can have a place of contentment, so he can reach and fulfill his mark and his goal, we have to look at him and look at ourselves too. We can't allow the lack of forgiveness to be what hinders us from reaching the points that we know God has put in front of us. Now, does that mean it's easy, peasy, and all good to go? Nope, not going to make that argument, not going to make that stance. But I will say, look at my notes, hold on. We must go beyond the words of I forgive you. There is a pathway to healing. You know, we got counseling these days. We got people that are, have studied this and, you know, psychology of the brain, the mind. I'm not that guy. I got some overviews. But I will tell you, if you need to deeper dive it, deeper dive it, get a counselor. Because you want to be at a place where you can forgive and move forward. I didn't say you had to forget. That's a whole nother podcast. But I think that what we want to do is, number one, acknowledge the pain. Acknowledge being hurt. How you were hurt. What you felt in that hurt. Then, number two, I would say we want to process the moments because it may not be one thing that occurred. It may be a line of things that maybe you didn't respond to the first couple of things and now you're at a place where everything's piled up. Process those moments. Allow yourself to acknowledge them, process them, so you can let them go. Because releasing is probably the hardest step in this process. You can't make the other person see what they did wrong before you choose to forgive or after. Because it's not about them. This is about us. This is about ourselves. We must choose to release it so it's not something that help, holds us captive. And then that's where I say you access the healing. Healing can come to you on your own in the sense of your own self and your time with God. But also, I really encourage you to be in a community of people, brothers and sisters that are also walking the same direction of followers of Christ. Because you may need somebody to talk to. You may need some people just to laugh with. Help you not to stay in that thought, but to move forward. 
Continue to do life. You know the worst thing you can do when you're hurt and sad? Sit down on your chair and not talk to anybody because all you can do is be in that moment and stay in that moment and stay in that moment. No. Recognize that moment. Release that moment and step forward to healing. Step forward to a place where you can feel life again. Fully. And again, this is so we can have contentment on our journey of fulfilling the calling that we know God has on us. Um, and this process sometimes can take time. I'm not going to sit there and say that it can happen. It happens overnight every time. Sometimes it's instantaneous. But I think the depth of relationship impacts that and the depth of the hurt impacts that because it might not be a deep relationship, but the hurt might be real. So that's my talk on the first key to success. I thank you for joining me. I thank you for hanging with me. And I'm hoping that you'll tune in as we talk about the next two keys which are going to be prayer and then also meditation. Um, again, this is Life on Life with Andre. I look forward to the next time we connect. Now, if you're listening to this for the first time and you happen not to be a follower of Christ, I encourage you, I challenge you to take, take the opportunity to make him Lord and Savior of your life. Well, how do you do that? You simply watch this. Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner, meaning that I can't do right in, my, in your eyes on my own. And I can see that for myself. There's not enough right in me to do right all the time. I believe that you were born, you died, and you're raised again on the third day after being crucified for my sins, for my wrongdoings. And I'm going to confess and make you Lord and Savior of my life. So I believe that not only did you save me, but I'm putting you in the position of the head of my life, the ABCs. Now, it, it sounds easy when I say ABCs, but any person walking with Christ, we know this is a battle. This has been a fight. And it's going to be something you got to constantly work in and push yourself in. So, again, share this. Talk to your friends. You know, if you got a comment or two, leave it with me so I can get back to you. But most of all, may you continue to grow closer to Christ and closer to your community of brothers and sisters as we do life together.